everybody. Welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author podcast, the author series of podcasts. My name is Deborah Carney and I'm your host. And with me today, I have author Karen Jones. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, I'm just fine. How are you today? I'm really good. And you have written a book on a topic that is something that people try to avoid, but that they uh, really do need to think about. And why don't you go ahead and explain, uh, introduce yourself to the folks, and then we'll talk about your book. Well, my name is Karen Jones. I'm an author of several books, but the book I'd like to talk about today is a nonfiction how-to book. And it's called, the title of it is Death for Beginners, Your No-Nonsense Money-Saving Guide to Planning for the Inevitable. Now, I would like everyone to take a collective deep breath and breathe it out. Here we go. This is a book about planning for your death. And it's been written for baby boomers because we are all at the age where we are very each other, we're burying our parents, and it's stressful, it's hard, no one knows what to do, you can lose a great deal of money by doing this in, a, in the wrong way, people take advantage of you, so I thought, you know, the boomers always want to know things, so here we're going to figure out how to plan for your death, how to set it up ahead of time, how to set that funeral, it'll be low cost, it'll be fun, bada bing, Bada boom. And so that's why I wrote the book. Okay. And how did you get the idea for it? I mean, well, it- actually, um, I, uh, one of my good friends, who was a co-anchor on TV news, which is one of the many jobs that I had held, uh, her sister was killed in a pedestrian accident. And her sister was only 18, and the family had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. They ran around, they, they couldn't figure things out, and when I was with her and saw someone trying to sell her a $500 dress in which to bury her sister, that's when it clicked. I became so angry. I thought, you know what? No one is going to take advantage of anyone ever again, not on my watch. And that's how this book was born. This book is, first of all, it's a really quick read because, you know, who is going to read a 600-page book about your death? Nobody. Thank you. End of story. Yeah. You know, so the book is, it's a, it's a workbook. It's a how-to. First chapter, what do I do with the body? What? What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do with your body? Are you going to bury it? Are you going to cremate it? Are you going to donate it? Are you going to blah, blah, blah? And on and on. And everything is written in quick bullet bites, you know, very quick points. I give you all of your options, all of the costs, how you do it, links to websites. Okay. And there you go. And then you go on. So it is a very quick, easy way to plan. And... You know, you're right. I mean, I um, I lost a son in a car accident when he was 21, but I wasn't um, I wasn't home to make the arrangements. So my daughter and her dad had to make all the arrangements. And oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, but fortunately, where we lived, we had um, a funeral home that wasn't you know trying to sell us a lot of really expensive things and uh they were one that we had worked with for um when my dad passed away and and some other things so we did have someone that we could trust that didn't try to you know shaft us for anything like you said you know five hundred dollars for the dress 
you know, and that's... Well, that, go ahead. I'm sorry, that, that's really usually not the case. Right. Today, just a normal, simple funeral, the cost of a normal, simple funeral today is about $10,000. Yeah. It is $10,000, and think about it. If you or your parents or your friends or whomever do not have things planned out, you are going to be making choices for expensive, really expensive goods and services in an altered state because when someone close to you dies, your brain goes wonky, and that's, that's a scientific fact. You do not think clearly. And people don't, Deborah, people don't know this. First of all, do you know that no states in our country have laws regarding the kind of container in which you can or cannot be buried? There is no law, federal or state. Yeah, that that's is. right. That is true. It is the cemeteries who make the rules. It's the cemeteries who make the rules. Okay. okay? Did you know that you can rent a casket for viewing? Yep. And that's one of the things that we did um, with my dad. But again, this was you know twenty years ago, so you know people weren't as polished as they are now and didn't realize all the things. And and we had a Again, we had a funeral home that was um, a small local one that, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a small town where they would know that if they shafted people, they wouldn't get any future business. But in, you know, I can, I'm not discounting uh, the value of your book. I'm saying that your book is, is very good in pointing these things out because I was fortunate that I had someone that didn't try to shaft us and that said, hey, you know, since you're going to cremate him, you can rent the uh, you know, rent this casket for the viewing, and then we just have to put them in a pine box for the, um, you know, for the actual cremation. And that well, kind you of were you were you were incredibly lucky. Um, also, that uh, do you know that uh, states? There's no state or federal law that says that you have to have a vault or a grave liner. And those can cost up anywhere from four hundred dollars to three and four, five, six, and seven thousand dollars. And these are the cement, little cement buildings that go over top of the coffin. And this is the cemetery who does this because they don't. They want to make it easier on themselves. In this book, you know, I talk about why I think about death, then what do you do with your body. All about the choices you have with burial, all about the choices you have with cremation, mm-hmm. you know, all about planning your last party. I have lists of who needs to be contacted, you know, the paper trail, how to organize your papers. And here's the thing about the book. The book has an accompanying website. So when you're reading the book, you go, ooh, I'm interested in this. Ooh, I'm interested in that. And the link is right there. You go to my website. You pull up the chapter. And the link is right there, and you click on it. You don't have to search around and try to type in all those numbers and and letters and things like that. And also, the second part of the book, about the back third of the book, is a massive worksheet where you can plan, where you can write down all your plans, and it goes step by step. On my website, you can download these worksheets for free. Right. Now, Yeah, now when my publisher said, you're going to put these worksheets on your on your website for free. I said, what? What? And he said, no, people will download the worksheets and they will buy your book. Right. And that's true. 
that, that's, that's what's, what's happened, happened, but I've put the um, sheets on the website to download for free because sometimes you don't want to tear the book apart or you want to make copies of these worksheets and hand them all out to your family. Then everybody sits around a table with a glass of wine, a pot of coffee, whatever, and everybody writes down what they want and what they don't. I mean, my mother swears she will come back and haunt me if I have my old ex-boyfriend, who is now a preacher, preach her funeral. So every time mom, every time mom in this page, we go, oh, mommy, better watch out. We're going to get that preacher, preacher funeral. You know, um, so there you go. And it's all about... It's all about actually having what you want. It's all about you having your last day and saving money while you do it. Yep. And there are a lot of people who um, who know they need to pre-plan, but they, you know, like you said, they, they don't know. And they just, you know, they'll go to a cemetery and, you know, because there's commercials on late night TV that said, you know, what are your loved ones going to do with you? And, you know, so you're sucked into the, oh, okay. And then you just go find uh, whoever. And even if you're in one of these families where, um, you know, I know families, they bought, you know, uh, bunches of plots, so they don't have to worry about that cost. But then they're now you're locked into a specific cemetery and whatever their rules and regulations are, and you need to be able to plan around that. So having a workbook well, also, all together is very helpful. Well, with that, do you know how many plots are on Craigslist? No, I have I do I do not and, and believe me, I'm pretty much an expert on this and I do not believe in free buying. I believe in free planning. But what happens if you buy a bunch of plots and then as it is nowadays, one kid goes to Texas, one kid goes to Hawaii, one kid is in Denver and then you're stuck with all these plots and maybe you and your husband want it, but those kids there is no way in heck they're gonna come and do that and they're stuck with free plots. I say and I say do not pre-buy the plots, but pre-plan, and you can put your money for this for your heirs in a savings account that can accrue money. And also, if you just listen to television news and hear about the cemeteries that are closed, that are being rerouted because of roads, that no one's ever really been buried there, that's a scandal, and on and on and on. You can't say that a burial plot that you buy today is going to be ready for you even in 10 years. Yeah. I, I absolutely do not believe in pre-buying, but I do believe in pre-planning and putting some money away to the side in a little savings account so your heirs will will have the money to deal with it. Because this is a kindness to the people you will leave behind. It is hard enough to try to deal with the death, and, and then trying to purchase expensive goods and services is just, it becomes too traumatic, and people just close their eyes and point at whatever casket and you know funeral homes are supposed to show you their least expensive casket by federal law, mm-hmm. and very many of them don't. It's called the funeral rule, and it has been enacted by the federal government, and it says things like a funeral home may not refuse to use a casket that you have purchased elsewhere. Okay. Okay? You know, it that they have to give you a complete list of goods and services, that they must tell you their prices over the phone before they begin to sell you anything. The funeral rule, if you just Google funeral rule, okay, it will come up and tell you what your rights are as a consumer. And did you know, by the way, that embalming is not required? There is no state or federal law that says that embalming is required. I know. That one That one really gets me because 
and and there are certain religions that that won't allow embalming. So exactly, some states do have a rule about if you transport the body over state lines, and you know that you have to have that it has to be embalmed, and that's fine. Um, but for the most part, absolutely not. Embalming is not required. Um, did you know that you can donate your body if you donate all your body parts? Say you, I don't know, get a car wreck or you pass away from something and you are an organ donor, do you know that you can donate 60 things from your body? Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, people don't think about your eardrums. Yeah. There are little tiny bones. There's skin. There's all kinds of wonderful things. So if any of these listeners are thinking about it, you might want to go ahead and you can go right online and Google um, organ donation form and you can print them out. Tell your family what you want, give a copy to your doctor, and keep a copy in your files because organ donation is one of the most important things in the world. And another thing that's really interesting is some people are donating their bodies to the body farms. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Patricia Cornwell. Body farms. There are four forensic anthropology centers in the United States, two in Texas, one in Tennessee, and one in western North Carolina. They take your body and they put it out outdoors and sometimes they put the bodies in trees and sometimes in cars and sometimes under the water and sometimes under a log and the forensic anthropology students go out twice a day and they they take the temperature and the weather conditions and body and they measure body decompensation so when a killer is on trial and the defense says well how in the world do you know this body was so decomposed they pull information from the forensic anthropology sites and they go well According to all the studies, and this was the temperature, this was this, this was that, and this is when that body died. And right. people can be convicted on that. Isn't that cool? It's very law and order. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you know what? I mean, and there's also the schools and universities that need to have um, corpses to be able to practice autopsies on and, you know, different things. Exactly. Surgeons. Surgeons practice on these bodies all the time. Now, if you are going to donate your body, your entire body, to either a body farm or to a medical institution for research, you need to have a backup plan. Because if you die of MRSA or HIV or some specific kinds of bacteria, then they will not accept the body because they can become infected themselves. Right. So if you are a body donor, you need to go ahead and have that backup plan just in case. I don't know, you're in the hospital for an appendectomy and you get MRSA and you die, which happens, you know, it happens. So you always need that backup plan. But the thing with the book is a lot of the book is just fun. It has tons of stories. It's like the guy who was put into the crematorium and blew the doors off. He did. Because he lived in the middle, uh, in the Midwest, and they found him dead in his house. Okay. There was kind of a hole in the ceiling and a hole in his head, and they thought, okay, he got a lightning strike. This was a rural community. They didn't have any big autopsy situation, so they said, okay, let's cremate him. So they did, and he blew up the crematorium because an unexploded, it was an unexploded weather balloon. Wow. The weather balloon, balloons get shot up in the air, then they have a little explosion, which explodes the balloon and the parachute, and they float to ground. This one didn't explode. It just turned around and jettisoned straight back into the atmosphere through his roof into his head. So when they put him in the crematorium, that's when it exploded. You. This is pretty cool if you think about it. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
but that's how the book is written. I mean, right. the book has stories all throughout it because it is grim. No one likes to think of their mortality. No one likes to think that they're going to die. And uh, so the book has little swatches of humor here and there. So you read it and you chuckle and then you go on. And that's the entire point. This is this is the nicest thing you can do for anybody who you've left behind. If you really like your kids, we all love our kids, but if you really like them also, this is a nice thing to do. Hey, what songs do you want played at your last party? Okay, me, you know, Beatles, I'm an old hippie, you know. Um, I want plenty of good champagne. I do not want it in a church. I want it on the beach. Yep. Which is where I grew up. So I can have some, I, and I can put money away, and I can have specific things. I can also write letters to people and leave them behind. I can get my papers in order. I can make it so if I go on my next trip, trip and the plane goes down, my son has a file, and he doesn't even have to think about it. Everything is right there, and I think that's a really nice thing for me to do for him. Because hopefully he'll be upset. I think he will. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I just want to make this as easy as I can. So while it is really a grim subject and one that's not fun, if you get the book and gather the family around and everybody just reads and laughs and fills out the forms, and you don't have to fill out every single thing, but at least get something down there so people have a guideline and know what it is that you want. Yep. And, and I think that's great. And the thing... For our listeners that are, you know, that are other authors, what you did is you took something that you saw as a, a really important need, and you tackled that topic, even though it's a topic no one wants. It's 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 taboo in some families, and and yet you made it into a how-to that is something that could save a lot of time and uh, a lot of uh, error and a lot of money you know, all that, and put it together into something that is going to be very useful. And you tied it to a website, which I think is also a great marketing tool, as well as, you know, being helpful to people. And it, it goes to show you that no idea is too crazy to turn it into a book. And well, no, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No idea is too crazy to, to turn into a book, but it is. And since a lot of authors listen to your podcast, I am going to say it took forever to get the, to get an agent. Yeah. Once I got an agent, it took forever to sell the book because they were so scared of the book. They, the big boys, kept turning me down. I'll tell your authors that I was taken to New York uh, by one of the major publishers. We sat around the table. We planned out the whole strategy. This was going to be released in November. They would use it as, a, oh, it's a family time, blah, 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 and they were going to promote it that way. Got back to my home, and in two days, the contract had been pulled. The contract was pulled by the accountants at the publishing house because right. they didn't think they could make enough money on it. So this is, and I also teach writing, I teach writing classes, and your authors need to know that it is very much an industry that is built on low margins, by which I mean a $25 hardback book, the publisher makes $1. Right. So this is why they are looking for the next biggest thing. I got lucky. I had a bulldog for an agent, and she finally found me a traditional publisher. It's a small publisher, Quill Driver Books, out in California, and they do specifically how-to books, and they took a chance on me, and the book is now in its second printing. 
But even though they are a traditional firm and, and they're wonderful, you still have to do your own work. You still have to uh, help them along and send things to Don Imus at Imus in the Morning and Jeffrey Brown at TBS and Lewis Burke at the Firmick Show and the Book Show on WAMC and Ellen DeGeneres and The View and Oprah Winfrey and Tom Ashbrook and Dr. Oz and John Stewart and Dave Ramsey and, I mean, the list of people that we have contacted runs 15 pages single-spaced. Right. I mean, your authors need to know that you don't just write the book. It is humping the book. It is publicity. It's doing podcasts like this. It's doing shows. It's getting on local TV. It's expanding your search and expanding your audience because my audience is also hospice. Yep. Believe it or not. Now, you, you try and go talk to a bunch of people who know they're dying about planning. Yeah. Hello. You want And so how I figured I would do that is, so many people, when people receive a terminal diagnosis, they feel like they have lost all control. I present this book as a way to take back some control over what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you would not believe the attitude shift when people realize they have control over this entire thing. Yep. And their attitude shift. And so, you know, when I go give talks about this book, I not only have to talk about my book, but I have to talk about how it can be used and how it can be used with different populations. When your authors are going to do a nonfiction how-to book, you know, your, your, your query letter is nothing but a marketing letter. Right. When, you know, fiction is fiction, and it's either going to hit or it's not. But nonfiction, specifically nonfiction how-to, is it, fi- is it finding that hole in the universe of information that no one has plugged yet yep. and getting that audience and you're selling the idea and you're selling your potential audience to the publisher and to the agent. And that's what it's all about when you're writing a brief book proposal or a query. It's all about the audience that you can give your publisher. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot of hard work nowadays. You have a blog. You have a website. You have podcasts. You have Skype. It's, you got to really realize that you can't just write the book and sit back and wait for the money to roll in because it, it just doesn't happen that way. Right. And now um, what about social media? Do you have social media just for the book or do you have just your own personal name? And then oh, I, have, I, have a, I have a website for the book. I have a Facebook page for the book. Um, I just, you know what? I cannot blog. I write all the time. I continually write books. And I, you know, I, I follow some blogs and I contribute. You know, I have a couple of different newspapers that go out to reporters and this and that that I contribute to. So I do that and, and keep my finger on the pulse of, of the funeral industry and the death industry and this and that. But I don't have my own blog because I'm sorry, I'd just have to slap somebody if I had to write a blog every day. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, it, it gets to be too much. And when you do have a book out and you're pumping this publicity, I'm in my second year now yeah. of pumping publicity. And you just get burned out. And it comes to a point where your husband or your wife or partner will sit you down and go, look, time to reel it back in. You're driving me crazy. You're driving you crazy. Let's pick and choose where you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. You've already done your huge push. Let's start being selective and quit being daddy ducks. Yeah. And the other thing to understand is that, yes, you have to um, publish it, but 
or you have to promote it after you've gotten it published and you know writing the book is just the first part but you also have to think about your topic I mean you're talking to people about death like all the time and that's got to get you know sometimes the stories have got to get to you a little bit and you know being in certain situations has got to I mean you're treating it all with humor which is great but let's face it if you're talking to people who are you know in hospice and who are been uh you know, diagnosed with terminal illness, uh-huh. you know, it's got to get a little depressing. So you need to give yourself a break from that or make sure that your topic is one that you can handle talking about after you've finished writing the book. Exactly. Over and over and over again. And I did give myself a three-month break from hospice work um, because it is it, it's hideously depressing. Also, if you're going to work with a topic like I have, a very sensitive topic, you have to have a pretty high emotional IQ. Yeah. You have to be able to, and I, and I honed this through, through interviewing celebrities and rock stars and you name it, through all those years of television, you've got to be able to read your audience. You've got to have this sixth sense of knowing when they're uncomfortable, when they're not. You, you push a little bit and see how they handle it. You, have, you can't just stand up there and do your tap dance. When you're promoting a book, especially a book with a sensitive topic, you have to be you have to be on the entire time and entire time in terms of being extremely sensitive to what's coming through the air, to what they look like, to what their body positions are, and this and that. You know, some groups you can go in, you can rock it, and it is so much fun. Like the funeral consumer alliance groups, they're all about funerals. They're ready to rock. Mm-hmm. And so we go in, I can go in, hit them, and everybody's having a good time. You go into a group of people with a terminal diagnosis, and that's not what you do. Yeah. You know, you talk about, you know, talk about, you know, let's handle this situation. How do you feel about this? Blah, 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 blah. So you just, you just can't go out there and think you're cute. You've got to go out there. You have to pay attention to your audience, and you have to sell yourself. I mean, me, heaven forbid, I'm going to be preaching in a couple of churches, if you can believe that. My family is on the floor rolling with laughter. Um, but I'm going to a church, and I'm going to preach three sermons, quote-unquote sermons, and it's going to be about doing unto others, and that means being a good guy and planning your funeral. Now, I'm having a meeting with the preacher and some of his deacons or whoever beforehand and asking them, how do you want me to approach this? You know, here's what I can do. And, you know, getting their read on it so I, I don't get hurt and feathered or bore people to death, you know. So when you are out there on the road, you just can't go be the star. You have to be very sensitive to people. And even if it's a fun book, you have to read your crowd. Authors need, and, and authors are notoriously shy, mm-hmm. and they don't want to, you know, be out with people, and they don't want anybody to know who they are. Well, guess what? Too bad, so sad. If you're going to promote your book, your rear end has to be out there on the road doing it, and you just have to gird your loins, you know? Yep. I'm actually talking to a lot more authors that are doing the traditional book signings, which makes me happy. Um, because, you know, like the, the independent bookstores are all hollering that Amazon and, you know, is putting them out of business when there are still a lot of people that want and need print books. Okay. You've got the worksheets and stuff, but those worksheets need to be printed out. They're not going to do any good if they're on somebody's computer behind a password when they pass away. You know, you've got to have a print copy. Your book is a perfect example of something that needs to have a print copy. 
And I'm hearing a lot more, you know, some shy authors that are coming out with some uh, very interesting ways that they're getting bookstores to um, to do signings with them. And although it doesn't really apply to your book, it's still an interesting concept that, like, if they write a, uh, a fiction book that's set in a certain um, location, they go to those locations and have the book signings instead of just in their own hometown or randomly picking cities that they, you know, that they have. Exactly. You know, what, 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 and I, I wrote a book with Dr. Kathleen Barhoney. It's called Up the Bestseller List. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a little bit dated because it doesn't use a lot of social media, but it's Talks about, it talks about common sense things like think of Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Where would you sell Gone with the Wind? Well, obviously Atlanta, but you would also take that book and hold book signings at uh, Civil War reenactments. Mm-hmm. Okay? You would also ask the National Park Service uh, for all the, all the Confederate parks, you know, the Confederacy parks all over Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia. You would ask if they would carry your book in their store. Yep. And you think very, very much out of the box. You know, you go to the Museum of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia, and you would say, will you carry my book? Right. You know, nowadays you have to be very creative, and if you do have a book signing at an independent bookstore, go and buy some really nice bakery cookies or those little teeny-weeny, like cupcakes or whatever, and sit them on a plate because people will come over to get something to eat, and then they will talk to you. And then there will always be one person, always one person at every book signing who will tell you that they could have written your book better than you. Oh, and that is when you and that is when you simply smile and grit your teeth. Yeah. Yeah, as a I run into that as a professional photographer. Oh, I have pictures like that at home. I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. It's all in the camera. What kind of camera do you use? And they, you know, they discount the talent behind taking the picture and using the equipment uh, to because you know how to use the technology, you know, not that the camera did all the work. So, and it is the same thing with, with almost anything, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I could write that book. Well, yeah, but did you, you know, if you can, great, yes. go ahead. I don't mind the competition, you know, because yeah, exactly. you'll be, be my guest. Let's, let's go ahead. I, I'd love to see what you do, but you know, you're always going to have people who have not lived their dreams. Right. And they become very angry. And I will tell authors, once you are traditionally published, you may have a friend or two who drops by the wayside because they just, they kind of can't handle that you have written a book. Right. It's very, it's, it's very hard for them. And it's too bad, but yeah. And I've had, I've had several books traditionally published and people have had a hard time with it. You know, so I have, I have books that are eBooks. I have books that are traditionally published. My first one was, it's on Amazon and wherever. Um, it's called Kingdom of Hearts. It is a historical romance and it was more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Right. Nice. You know, the next one was Up the Bestseller List with Dr. Brahoney, and that is a hands-on how-to guerrilla marketing book. Okay. You know, the next one is Death for Beginners, the one that we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is one I just put up on eBooks because I'm sick of traditional publishing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's called The Highland Witch. It's by Karen Jones. It's, you know, like 90,000 words, and it was a hoot too late and it's kind of a suspense set back in the 1300s and i love that you said that um that you've been traditionally published and you do what you need to do for the traditional publishers but you've also taken everything you've learned over the years and instead of waiting two years for this book to be published you just said i can do this myself 
and oh, absolutely. You know, you put it up. And now, does each of your books have their own website, or do you just have um, a general website for yourself? And I have. Well, well okay. I'm sorry. Death for Beginners has its own website. You know, but my website is kjwriter.com. Okay. It's just kjwriter.com, and that that it's through the Authors Guild, and it um it lists all of my books. Okay. And, and if, you know, you can go to, there are lots of Karen Joneses, unfortunately, on Amazon and this and that. What I, what I will tell you what I did, um, since you're, since you've got authors listening to this show, I love the Highland Witch, but, oh, I just did not want to do this traditional mess anymore. I'm exhausted. So, I went to Smash Words. Yep. Smashwords.com. And what I did was, after I'd written the book, I hired one of their one of the people they recommended to format it for me. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Life is too short to do your own formatting. <laughs> formatting, yeah. Formatting for somebody like me is, okay, just get a board and beat me. Because that would be easier than formatting a stinking e-book. So I hired somebody, 90 bucks. He guaranteed that it would be good, and it is. And then I went online and found someone to, um, for 50 bucks who designed my ebook cover, and she was a dream to work with. It's just a Highland Castle, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I put it on Smashwords, and it is on e-books. Um, I'm sorry, it's on the iPhone. It's for, it's for Mac. It's for Apple. It's for, oh, I don't know, it's for Amazon. I mean, you name it. It's, it's on the for Kindle. And uh, and I did it, and I'm, I'm getting well. And price to sell, I think it was four ninety nine. It's a bargain, and you know, and I'm getting. Uh, I'm not making a ton of money on it, but you know what? It's a great little book, and I want it out there so people can read it. And there you go. So I've been published all different kinds of ways, and uh, right now I'm kind of leaning towards ebook just because I'm so tired. Well, I'm doing Death for Beginners. I mean, Death for Beginners, don't get me wrong, it's in its second printing and it's a great book. But I have really, you know, worked myself into a ladder. I was going to say, you've beaten, you've beaten it to death. <laughs> you know, I, well, I really have. You know, and my husband's like, whoa, girl. And so I'm, I'm just exhausted. So I thought, I'm not, I just don't want to go with a traditional publisher again. You just want to slap them sometimes. Yep. I mean, they're lovely, and don't get me wrong, Quill Driver was amazing. They have always been amazing. But I've dealt with some other publishers that you just want to wring their necks. Yeah. So it's like, no, I like the Highland Witch. I want her out there, and if people want to read her, they can. You know? Yep. And it sounds like it's a read that um, that people can easily have on their e-reader and breeze through. Oh, yeah. And if people ask you for print copies of it, you go over to CreateSpace, and boom, you can make a print book yeah. that they can go buy. And yeah, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, and again, you hire somebody to format it. It costs you a few bucks, and then you it, it's out there in however people want to consume the book. And you're not constrained exactly. by someone telling you how you can promote it or how you have to promote it. And you can, like you said, she's a cool character. She's out there. If I want to write more about her, I can. And, you know, you can have a whole series of short books if you want to. And, you know, you don't have to have a word count because someone says you need to have a word count. Well, see, that, that's the cool thing. Um, publishing right now is where uh, music was about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. It is in turmoil. It is in uproar. It is, it is a wide open frontier and all kinds of barriers have been broken down. So people are finding different ways to get published. Um, there's a, it, it's, 
it is expensive, but there's a new service that some gals out of Denver have started called Blue Ink Review, and it's for self it's for self published authors, and they can submit their book, and I don't know how much money it is, um, but they can submit their book, and. Algonquin and Simon and & Schuster and Lillian Brown and Random House, all these big publishers are subscribed okay. to Blue Ink Review. And you get your book reviewed, I mean, by really good, reputable reviewers who will say exactly what they think about your book. And the publishers are getting so they're looking at Blue Ink Review to see if there are any self-published books they may want to look at or snap up. Yep. So if you, if you do have the money, and again, I haven't done Blue Ink Review, I haven't had to yet, but they have a really good service for people who have who want to spend a little bit of money on their self-published book to get it reviewed and to get it on a website in front of some of the big boy publishers. Right. And so I think that, yeah, I think that's a, that, so see, there are all kinds of services like this that are popping up, and it's kind of like being in the Wild West right now, being in publishing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and the Wild West is a really good analogy for it because, and the music industry um, analogy is what a lot of us are using. Um, I'm uh, I I self publish a bunch of books, and I don't um, I, I don't I didn't even try to go the traditional publishing route because yeah. you know I have books of photography, and once the Kindle Fire became available, all of a sudden I can do color photo books. And it doesn't oh, cost $75 for somebody to buy a book of my photos. You know, it doesn't cost me 50 bucks to produce one. It's like, okay, here's a, here's a book of, you know, butterfly photographs, and I tell you what kind of butterfly it is, and we put a little, you know, quote or a little poem about butterflies, and that's all my control, and I can do it the way I want to do it, and it goes on the Kindle Fire and you don't have to do elaborate formatting because the Kindle Fire is going to show it the way the user wants to show it. And, you know, boom, it's out there and it's done and people like it. And I didn't have to go try to sell it to somebody and it didn't have to be, you know, 500 pages. And it's a nice, neat little, you know, short book that people can go through and share with their kids. And you can, uh, there's, there's so many authors out there that um, you just want to make sure you put together a professional book. Like you said, you went to Smashwords, which is a wonderful company that, you know, that lets you get your book out on a lot of uh, platforms. You know, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of other little ones coming up, Book Tango and Book Baby and, you know, Book Anything. And, <laughs> and, and you can get your books formatted and, and professionally edited and get a good cover design, and you can hire all these professionals individually and within your own budget. And then you can pour oh, it up, and it's out there, and you're in control. You know, you're not tied to a contract. You're not tied to – you don't get the advance. But you know what? Sometimes the advance isn't worth it. I know authors that we've talked to that, like, gave back their advance because by the time the traditional publisher was, was done – uh, you know, going through and editing and changing, the people oh. didn't recognize their book anymore. And I know an author that said, okay, you changed my book totally from what I had it. Here's your money back. I'm taking it on my own. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, and traditional, and I'm not slamming all traditional um, publishing companies because, like you said, there are good small presses out there now. 
And um, again, like the music industry, instead of everything being controlled by the big boys and, you know, you go to the extremes, you've got the big boys that still will sign you to contracts and you go totally indie or in the middle here, you have co-ops forming and small presses getting together. And, you know, there's a person who's experienced with publishing, who knows editors, who knows, you know, graphic designers, and they get together exactly. and they form a little group and they help you get your book published. And, exactly. And that's, that's, that's all you need now. You know, I mean, the gatekeepers, you know, you don't have to listen to the gatekeepers anymore. If the gatekeepers don't like your book, doesn't mean it's not a good book. It just means it doesn't fit their formula. And exactly. Oh, no, exactly. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and, and I, I feel the same way. I, I really do like the ebook thing. It's been a lot of fun to get the Highland Witch out there. Um, it makes me laugh. And Death for Beginners is an ebook too, and my publisher did that, and, and I'm pleased. But, um, just some of the things that I've written that I just don't want to beat my head against the publishing industry right now. I just want it out there. Yep. And, uh, and, and you, and it's, it's, so wide open right now, and it is so much fun. So you know, I write it and write it and get it out in front of people. The most amazing things can happen sometimes. I mean, your book can be optioned, and the reason why when somebody hits it big is news is because it doesn't happen very often. But you know what? Right. It's like the lottery. It's got to happen yeah. to somebody. And and you can't win it if you're not in it. If your book isn't yeah. out there, you haven't getting it. You haven't written it. You haven't published it. Nobody can find it. Exactly. I have a friend who had dinner with Nora Roberts, and Nora Roberts said, "You can't edit an empty page." And when, yeah, and when we, when we, when Kathleen and I work with our writers, you know, one of our mantras is, "Sit down and write." Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Sit down and write because in order, it's like running a marathon. I tell my writers, it's like running a marathon. You do not go out the first day and run 26 miles. Right. You did, you'd pass out and throw up, all right? Right. What you do is you run, I don't know, half a mile. And that's what you do with writing. You don't sit down and go, I'm going to write a novel today. Not you're a moron because you won't, then you'll feel bad about yourself, and then you'll just go eat a bunch of cupcakes. So what you do is you sit down and you say, I'm going to write for 15 minutes and get up and walk away. Yep. And then you build it. You build your writing muscle. You build your concentration. You build your ability to sit your big old butt in the chair and do it. And you build your writing muscle, and you write every day. I was lucky enough to meet Phyllis Whitney, who wrote, what, 180 books? Yep. And I met her in my doctor's office, believe it or not. I'm in my doctor's office in a little paper stupid thing, you know, paper dress. And he goes, Phyllis Whitney is in my waiting room. So I jump up off the table and go out in my paper dress to meet Phyllis Whitney. Okay, so clearly she thought I was a crack addict or something. I said, oh, Miss Whitney, oh, Miss Whitney. And she said, dear, you're a writer, aren't you? So I said, And um, I said, do you have any advice? And she said, write every day. Even if you throw it away and it's no good, she said, you need to keep up your momentum. You write every single day. And I'll tell you what else she said that is brilliant, and I teach it to all of my writers. And she said, it's about setting. Treat your setting as you would a character. That is how important your setting is. And I want to tell all your writers out there to think about setting as a character and to also think there are two people nicely dressed, sitting at a table, having a lovely dinner. 
One setting is on a terrace in Morocco with the full moon. The other setting is on the Titanic. Nice. Those are two different stories. Yep. So your setting can completely inform your story. So that's from Bill's Whitney wisdom, from my wisdom to every writer out there. Think about your setting of a character. It will make your book, fiction or nonfiction, so much better. That's that's great advice, and um, I'm so glad you were able to share those, and I'm glad you got to meet her in your little paper gown. And <laughs> oh, I'm sure um, she just thought they needed to put me in the lunatic asylum. Yeah. Well, but it was it was just so cool because yeah. she was very very old at the time. She was right. very frail and very old, and, and but she was lovely. Yeah. She was just lovely. And and that's important. And what's really important is to share the stories that you have. That you know when you've met the. The people who are our, you know, invisible mentors. They don't know they're our mentors, but you know, they're our mentors because we read all their, their books, and you know, we've 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 read, consumed everything that they put out there, or, um, you know, you just admire their work ethic or their writing style or whatever. And it's and, great when you get. And to she could she could write herself a book. I'm telling you, she yeah. was amazing. Yep. Well, we have talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> We have. It's just been all over the map, but it's been fun. And exactly. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, our, our, our interviews are informal and they're discussions, and that's what lets them take them where they need to go, kind of like your stories. So, you know, when you're writing a story and you start out one way and it ends up another way, that's the way it was supposed to go. So um, why don't you give us again the name of your website so that our listeners that are listening on um, – iTunes or, you know, through uh, not looking at our website can find, can remember your site and go find it. Okay, it's easy. My name is Karen Jones and I'm a writer. So my website is kjwriter.com. And that's awesome. I'm really glad you were able to get that. That's... (laughs) that's a nice short writing domain so um that's beautiful and of course you can you said that you have a facebook page you have facebook pages um, um yeah uh, they can just anybody can just google death for beginners okay and you can go to and it will take you right to death for beginners.com and okay. And it will also take you to my Facebook page. Okay, awesome. Well, it's been delightful talking to you, even though, you know, your book is on a a sensitive topic for some people. It is still something that we all need to deal with. And, you know, authors have different ways of looking at things. And you've put it out there in a way that, you know, makes it non-threatening. And uh, I think that's really important for other authors to understand is that you can approach sensitive topics as long as you put them out there in a way that is sensitive and non-threatening. So absolutely, I would love to chat with you at a future date. Uh, maybe we can come up with some other topics. Uh, you, you've got a lot of information to share, it sounds like, and um, I'm sure our listeners would like to hear more of your wit and humor as well as your wonderful advice. And um, again, Folks, go to kjwriter.com. And then for those of you listening on iTunes, please also go to bookgoodies.com, B-O-O-K-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com, and do a search for Karen Jones, and the podcast and the show notes will pop up. And you'll be able to find all the links that we just told you about. And also, while you're there at Book Goodies, you can 
click on our contact us form and let us know if you want to be a guest. And you can also click on the tell us about your book. And we have a form you fill out that um, creates a nice little post on our website um, to promote your book. And uh, we also want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our wonderful podcasts. And again, Karen, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk about death for beginners. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, everybody out there that's listening, you know, keep writing and have a great day. Thank Thank you you so much. much.